welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies thematically by month and one of them dies a little each time. Welcome to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I'm the girlfriend, Cindy. I'm Josh. I'm not the girlfriend. (laughs) I scare super easily. This month we are doing, um, well, I guess like our tribute to Black History Month. Uh, Do you want to kind of explain? Yeah, so basically it's just films that either have a lead like a lead protagonist slash antagonist who is of color, specifically black, or made by a black filmmaker. Okay. Uh, or in this case, today. Both? Both. All right. So we watched Eve's Bayou. We've watched Candyman, the original one. Yeah. And I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way now because uh, we didn't put anything with the last one. We missed a week um, and we're going to carry this series over one week into March because I'd rather lose a week in March. Yeah. Because it's going to make more sense of what we're going to do in March anyway. But we had a technical problem, which we lost, like, a section of what we had recorded. And then combined with, like, a run of, like, illnesses, it just became impossible. So we lost a week. So apologies. Um, That's why there was a a week gap between Eve's Bayou and uh, uh, Candyman. There you go. Okay. Thank you for clearing it up. What are we watching this week? Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. What year did this, this movie is fun as fuck? Nineteen ninety five. Okay, so nineteen ninety five. I was fifteen. How about you? Um, oh god, I'm, I should have done pre done the math on this, <laughs> but so ninety two, thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would have been twelve when this came out because it came out in May. All right. So, but yeah. Tell me what was going. So, who was president and all that? With that, those are the Clinton years. Yeah, it's the, it's we're deep in the Clinton years. Um, which well, I don't know. We'll talk about this a little more probably either after this. Yeah, yeah, probably with this episode. All right. But the '90s are an interesting time because horror gets super glossy, and like when we get a lot of '90s horror, it's things like I know I know what you did last summer. It's things that are in the scream mold of like subverting previous slasher type genre all right or oh, yeah because horror thrive we've talked about this horror thrives when things are chaotic certain and chaotic and weird and terrible and for white people the 90s were not that bad nope so that's why you see a lot white of, straight people yeah you see a lot of horror films in the 90s that are about black people because they're like oh it's not right for us <laughs> so in this week yeah. we are watching Tales from the Hood. What can be more? Um, yep. So the year nineties than that. <laughs> the year this came out is Blossom. Yeah. Your answer, Blossom. Oh, okay. Um, the year this came out in '95. It's the year of the Om Shunriko sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway. Oh. Uh, oh Selena wow. was murdered. The Oklahoma City bombing happening happened. Um, the U.S. finally restored its ties with Vietnam after the war. The PlayStation was released. That that one blew my mind. The PlayStation, like, because I think of the PlayStation as being like a early two thousands thing, which is wrong. <laughs> it's early nineties. So ninety five. Um, Mid Desert Storm officially ended. Oh, okay. So there you go. We that was the year that we gained Dua Lipa, Post Malone, and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. I am so old. Uh, yeah. And that was the year that we lost Donald Pleasance, ECE, Lana Turner, Jerry Garcia, and Mickey. Uh, Mantle. All right. I remember where I was when Jerry Garcia died. Where were you? 
I was visiting my uncle with my dad in over the summer in New Jersey. Okay. Like, Jerry Garcia just died. I'm like, who's that? And my uncle's like, a hippie. (laughs) It was a big deal. Uh, My family likes any sort of a music festival. And what's more music festival-y than the Grateful Dead? That's kind of what we like. So, yeah, it was a big deal for us. Have the younger generations gotten on board with fish? Uh, No. (laughs) Thankfully. I mean, uh, no. No, they have not. Fish. (laughs) Um, okay, Lord, let's do a quick rundown of the other movies that came out in 1995 because it is some classics. Good fucking year for movies. What we got? Um, okay, we have 12 Monkeys. Okay, we watched that in season mm-hmm. three or four. Heat with okay. uh, De Niro and Pacino. Yeah. Waterworld. <laughs> yeah. Lord of Illusions, which you watched for this. The, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Prophecy, which we will eventually watch for this show. Uh, what I consider maybe the best horror film of the 90s, at least my favorite. What? Seven. Yeah, you do like that movie a lot. Uh, Showgirls. <laughs> my favorite horror movie of the 90s. Halloween 6. Uh, uh, Get Shorty. Oh, yeah. Mallrats. Casino. In the Mouth of Badness, the John Carpenter film. Right. Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billy passed the third grade. Oh, what a glorious day. <laughs> oh, what a random thing. Grade. The Billy Madison way. That's what I remember from that. I was going to say, like, I that. I don't know why. What a random thing to remember. Yeah. That, okay. That, that little snippet of song stays in my mind forever for that movie. I love that movie. I watched it all the time. <laughs> uh, the Quick and the Dead was that year. The Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> right. Um, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh, the sequel. That's to the Candyman. sequel. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first sequel. Uh, Major Payne, saw that at a drive-in. <laughs> Tommy Boy, Bad <laughs> Boys, so much. Friday. Oh, I made out in a theater hard to Bad Boys. Uh, City of Lost Children, which we watch in the podcast. Braveheart, uh, a spoiler alert, that movie would win, I believe, Best Picture the following yes. year. I think you're uh, right about that. Casper. Okay. Apollo 13 and Clueless. Oh, which may be the most such good movies. 90s movie ever. Such good movies. Old movie yeah. um, Okay. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of why we're here. Okay. We're here. So Tales from the Hood is rated R. It is a Cindy approved length of one hour and 38 minutes. Yay! Long. That includes Sorry. probably five minutes of you know credits at the end so really closer to like an hour 32 ish <laughs> um the tagline for this movie is chill or be chilled bum, bum, bum. which i fucking love that tagline and it was released may 24th of 1995 okay um this movie is co-written and directed by rusty cundiff who is a who is a writer actor director of a ton of stuff specifically he's the writer director of the film Fear of a Black Hat. Have you ever seen that movie, the comedy? I don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. You like it? And he was... Okay. A, he directed a lot, if not most, of Chappelle's show. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay. I just like the fact that, like, Rusty Cundiff made this movie, and then Chappelle was like, you should make my show. I want my show to be just like that. Okay, okay. Um, so, kind of an idea of what we're getting into. Yeah. It is co-produced and co-written by Darren Scott, who is the writer-producer of Tales from the Hood 2, <laughs> and the producer of... The Jonathan Brandis classic, The Stepfather 2. <laughs> yay. Um, yay. Where did you learn that song? <laughs> that still makes me laugh every time I whistle it. Sorry. Camptown Races, who taught you that song? <laughs> uh, um, Big Bird. Okay, now, as far as the uh, rest of the, the crew, 
This movie is executive produced by Spike Lee. Nice. So, if you don't know Spike Lee, listener, I don't know what to do with yeah. for you. Um, so, just a quick rundown. I threw out a couple here. Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, Malcolm X, 25th Hour, Inside Man, Black Klansman. Um, and to me, because I was a small child in the late 80s, early 90s, he is the little tiny Mars character from the Michael Jordan. Well, I'd say little. He's little compared standing next to him. He's Mars in the Michael Jordan Nike commercials. Oh, yeah. Remember, like, he'd yeah. be black and white, and he'd be like, can you dunk over that car? And he's like, of course, of course Mars. I can. Like, yeah. That's... I wonder why he called him Mars. I don't know, but I fucking love it. Okay. Like, those commercials were awesome. Can't get... Yeah. Another... That's pretty 90s, Spike Lee and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the cast is Clarence Williams III. All right. That's quite a name. As Mr. Sims. He was in The General's Daughter. Okay. I do love that movie. I know you do. Uh, Reindeer Games, Half Baked, <laughs> Deep Cover. I love that movie. And Maniac Cop Two. Half-baked. I really love Maniac Cop Two. I now see where they met uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, Corbin Burnson. Okay. Plays Duke Metker. Uh, he known for Major League and Major League Two. He's yep. Roger Dorn, right? Yep. He's the guy who's. I, can't, a, I didn't remember the character. Smarmy name. rich prick who his wife cheats on him with. Uh, <laughs> Rick Wilding Vaughn. Yes. <laughs> um, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Psych. Uh, we've got Joe Torrey, who plays Steak. He was in Poetic Justice. Uh, I love that movie. Bonds, who is who plays Ball. He's in uh, Gangster Squad and the movie Dope. we got Samuel Monroe, who plays Bulldog. He was in Menace to Society. And also, Don't Be a Menace to so- Society while you're sipping your juice in the hood, I think is what the full title is. Don't be a menace to South Central while sipping your juice in the there hood. There it is. Um, and then we've got Wingshauser. I, I like that name. Love Wingshauser. He plays Strom. Wingshauser is best known for a movie called Vice Squad. Okay. Where he plays a pimp in LA in the early 80s who is like a cowboy themed pimp. And his name is Ramrod. And he is the goddamn <laughs> the most terrifying human being ever maybe in that movie. All right. He's like the Terminator from Terminator if there wasn't a metal uh, metal exoskeleton underneath he's just tracking this woman to like beat her just to, to death, track to her. Okay. beat her to death oh. after he like burns her with a coat hanger like, what this movie goes fucking hard okay i like it a lot oh. yeah all right um it's really good and then he's also in a movie called rubber okay cindy rubber is a movie about a sentient tire that comes alive and then rolls around and then can blow people up with fire like pyrokinesis Oh, okay. And then a movie called Tough Guys Don't Dance. Quite, and what, a, what a wide range of films we have here. Interesting. He married the... Was it mm-hmm. the, the... Okay, his... I believe it's something like his wife is like the granddaughter of one of the Warners who founded Warner Brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But I mean, yeah. yeah, I think it's the, it's the wife or... It's the, the daughter or the granddaughter. I think it's the granddaughter. Um, and then we've got David Allen Greer. Oh, love him. <laughs> so, yep. Um, in Living Color, mm-hmm. yo. Also, Dope, Do the Right Thing, Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam's a really good movie we forget about. And Roger Gunavir Smith, who was in Dope, Do the Right Thing, Summer of Sam, He Got Game, and Eve's Bayou. Oh, we just watched that. He's the husband who shoots Sam Jackson. Oh, okay. He appears in this movie as well. There's a ton of, mo- ton of people in this movie. This is an anthology movie. Love those. Um, not in the way that, like... 
this is more of a standard one, not like trick or treat where everything interweaves. This okay. is more like just little you know, wraparound story. Story okay. A, back more to wraparound like, story B. Crypt. You know that sort of thing. Very Got similar. It. So that's what we're. That is what we're doing today. All right. This movie is spoiler alert. Fun as fuck. Uh, <laughs> except for the parts where you're like, holy shit! There's social commentary coming out. A wazoo. Um, yeah. Okay, well, this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster from the movie and I tell the plot. All right, it is a skull uh, with glasses and a gold tooth. There's the chiller be chilled. Your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet on the streets. I think it's going to be um, (laughs) uh, a movie about like urban, uh, not like handyman well yeah i guess like just kind of urban legends in this one neighborhood and they're okay. like terrifying and scary that's what i say i like it i think this movie is going to be one that you thoroughly enjoy all right and i want to talk about it more but i can't until you watch it so we need to go watch it all right then let's go <laughs> join us won't you mind the doors tales from the hood Let's roll, huh? In this neighborhood is a house where souls never rest. You're invited to share their secrets. I've been waiting for you, boys. You're invited to share their tales. Unless, of course, you're scared. Tales of madness. Ah! <laughs> of revenge. The dolls don't want you there. They want reparation. Ah! Of horror. He thinks he needs to kill the monster. Now, your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet on the streets. And this is a trip, homie. I don't need nothing from no house of dead folks, okay? Death. It comes in many strange packages. The producer of Menace to Society and executive producer Spike Lee will take you to the outer limits of the inner city. Welcome to hell! (laughs) Tales from the Hood. Chill. Or be chilled. I mean, I don't need to be hearing this, man. Written and produced by Darren Scott. Written and directed by Rusty Kunda. All right, everybody. We watched Tales from the Hood with a poor man's uh, Lawrence Fishburne, but that's okay. What? You Clarence Williams the third? Yes. Or second? Yeah. Williams the second? <laughs> I have a very important question before we get into this. Okay. Cindy, have you been chilled or were you chilled? I was chilled. I was chilled for sure. <laughs> this is a very fun movie uh and you are not kidding there is a very strong and important political message in this movie this movie is mad political and it's when odd. you have a uh, strange fruit by ella fitzgerald playing in the first five minutes mm-hmm. yeah it's um, you're in for it it's odd to call a movie that encompasses like all these things like domestic violence and racism yeah fun but I think the fact it's that everyone romp. gets their comeuppance yes. is satisfying. That's what it is. This, this movie is fun in that it is satisfying and that bad people are punished. Yes. And we like that. So 
<laughs> this was Tales from the Hood. Okay, so here's what I think. This movie was about, quick quick summary, some inner city boys, three inner city young men, uh, approach an old ramshackle um, urban funeral home and are told the stories of the people waiting uh, to for their funerals in there. If that makes sense, yes. Why are okay. the three youths there to pick up the shit? To buy drugs. To buy drugs. That to buy the Curtis shit. Williams the second found. He in found an it in an alley. alley, right? Yeah, and he's selling to them. IMDb has simply a funeral director tells four strange tales of horror with an African American focus to three drug dealers he trapped in his place of business, i.e., funeral home. So, so let's break this down and talk about each each story kind of a little bit at a time because this is like four mini movies mm-hmm. rather than like one long film. I will go ahead and forewarn listeners now. Mm-hmm. I have an upper respiratory infection, so I may cough. Apologies if I do. <laughs> uh, I also I am medicated. He's so worried. He's so worried. So if I seem loopy at some point or I start repeating <laughs> I myself. I think you'll be fine, babe. The medication has kicked in. I think you'll be fine. Um, okay. Well, let's break down. The opening of this thing is okay. entitled Welcome to My Mortuary. All right. So they approach... <laughs> And he's playing, he's playing a Prince song, isn't he? On the organ? He, he might be. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's what that is. And uh, he's very, yeah, take Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Gene Wilder's Charlie, or John, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. And you kind of have. <laughs> okay, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Like you kind of have the funeral director who's showing them where their shit is and they have to kind of go through the whole thing yeah funeral director with a secret secret. at the end so yes it's a uh south central los angeles um funeral home and the the people that come to buy the drugs are gang members stack ball and bulldog (laughs) i did not know their names so thank you for that um and they are there to buy drugs that Mr. Sims, our funeral director, who looks like a combination of Lawrence Fishburne and Willy Wonka. If Lawrence Fishburne yes. played Willy Wonka. Oh, actually, um, yes. That, there you go. Is selling these drugs that he found in the alley. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And then he, as he leads them down, he starts telling the story about, well, the first story, which is called Rogue Cop Revelation. Rogue Rogue, Rogue cop. cop. And it's about um, something that we're so glad we left in the 90s and don't still have a problem with that's got getting worse by the week uh, in today's time. Um, what was what was that? You <laughs> just is, have stroke? This is a problem that, you know, definitely is not something that's still <laughs> happening. We've got um, cops uh, are beating the shit out of and then kill a prominent um, black voice in mm-hmm. the community. Someone who's actively going after corrupt police. Right. And Which they kill him and they set him up. Doesn't at, happen all that often. That it was an overdose. And then all the time happens all the time. (laughs) The one uh, black cop who is there is haunted by him to uh, bring justice to the men who murdered him. Yes. So he's a reverend who's very anti-drug, anti-police corruption. Uh Knowing this, they do the thing that isn't like so many. It's like a staple of so many movies where cops want to fuck with someone. They pull you over and you're like. Why'd you pull me over? And then they bust a taillight with their nightstick. And they're like, because right. you got a taillight that's out. Um, and then they proceed to just beat the ever-loving shit out of this guy. <laughs> um, and then the the black cop tries to stop them. And then he's dragged away and convinced that they're going to take right. him to the hospital. 
And really, they they stage his death. They shoot him up with heroin, and then they Wingshauser. I fucking love Wingshauser, by the way. Yeah. He's the cop, the shitty cop that orchestrates all this. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. He's so he's so awesome and everything. Wingshauser should have been in more shit. Um, he like jumps off the car as it's moving, and it goes into like the ocean, and then <laughs> and then yeah, cut to it, a year later, and our black cop who just was wanted to be a hero is now an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, and then he's the ghost or spirit or whatever you want to call it from the uh, reverend reaches out to him and is like, bring them to me. So he convinces them to all go to the graveside. And they end up, of course, peeing on uh, the man's grave. Cause that's nice. And then uh, he ends up grabbing that dude's dick. And so the reverend him, comes back to life. Bringing him down. This is very creep show two, the last segment creep show two, um, where he just pops up out of the ground and proceeds to hunt these men and kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ends with the black cop who should have protected him, who didn't protect him, yep. being charged with the murders of all the white cops. Um, and ends up, you know, in a, a mental institution because, yeah. you know, he can still hear him talking the, to him. The reverend even tells him, like, where were you when I needed you? Like, He's right. And, and there's a lot of talk in this with the cops, especially his partner, yeah. about... There's a line you don't cross. There's the code, the blue line. Like, you're not black anymore. You're now blue. You're right. You're one of us. This is the and co- we right. protect us. That's what we do. Um, and that is a thing that's still happening. And this, I would like to point out, listener, mm-hmm. um, if you don't have context for this, this would be a year or two after Rodney King. Yeah. And they even kind of, can't we all just get along? Like, they, whatever. It's awful. The Wings, Wings Hauser is the one that says that line. Mm-hmm. Um, unholy shit. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to think about this for the rest of the podcast of which of these segments is my favorite. Okay. But I think this one might be the most powerful. Or the one that I'm most like, yeah, this is, yeah. Still, like, not made a lot of headway in this one. Yeah. Did, um, okay, never mind. So the second, vign- the, the vignettes is uh this is the david allen greer one yeah, right it's called boys do get bruised and it's um again as a teacher there were so many things but there's a boy who starts a new school and the teacher realizes like he's black and blue and the teacher does a home visit and it and the kid keeps drawing about this monster who's attacking him and you learn that stepdad has a tattoo that says monster and stepdad's beating the hell out of him and the kids' drawings become like little like voodoo dolls that if you can like destroy the painting, the drawing, the person that he drew just, you know, falls or, you know, is destroyed. And so that's how they exact revenge on evil stepdad, who are, by the way, they're living in a beautiful, beautiful house. That house was incredible. I'm curious to see what they do for a living. Yeah. But, yeah, you're what right. What was step Tyrone? What was stepdad's name? Um, Oh, Lord. It wasn't, was it Tyrone? It was totally out of character yeah, it was for Tyrone. David Allen Greer, who's like this, you know, at, up to this point, famous for In Living Color and like the funny guy. Blank yeah. Blank and then. Never thought I'd get a chance to talk about Blank Man on this podcast and when, how much I enjoyed seeing that movie as a kid. When he, he, he beats the hell out of the, you know, his partner, wife, girlfriend, whatever. There's some and the scenes, kids. like, cause they do, they're really good about like not going full bore, like the way some movies will be like Watch yeah oh movies. yeah 
But there's definitely a scene where he like whips that belt off and he's going to fucking town. Yes. For like a second. And you're like, oh. Oh, this is too much. Oh, shit. Um, I think it is this thing that like horror films do every once in a while that is magical where they will take a predominantly comedic actor and cast them in something either serious or scary or in this case both both and he was seriously it works scary. so well because it subverts your expectations of them like you would never think david allen greer would be the kind of person who could snatch off a belt and just beat <sighs> shit out of a child and a woman but he apparently can play that he person. can and did um i like this segment but i have an issue with it what's that um and i think my issue with it comes from working with how the teacher sees a kid with bruises and doesn't respond or just like well, well no you he tell responds me? my problem because it goes to the house which i don't know if that's normal or mm-hmm. not right would you just go to a child no house? absolutely not i know like school social workers do occasionally um my thing is like there's a lot of things that are put out like hints for him to like chill the fuck out and leave the family alone because he's about to make things worse right and he, he doesn't just picks up on none of them yeah he plows forward and inevitably does make things worse i mean he gets to be hero man at the end when he runs in and then probably gets his ass beat by david allen greer well i love the fact that he sees david allen greer beating his wife through the window <laughs> and is like oh no and he runs inside and he's like you better stop and then david allen greer is like the fuck out of my house it just beats, beats the, the shit hell out of this out of teacher him. and i'm like pretty soundly too like damn way to go, bro way to run in and just absorb those punches because apparently that's all you can do david allen greer can fight and would have thought the, yeah the kid has to crush the paper up and that's what twists him up in like a pretzel and then they burn the paper right. to get rid of his body but yeah i don't know like i think this is the one i had the hardest time with and i still enjoyed it don't get me wrong but it's the thing of like her subtly when david on greer shows up and her being like oh, this is his teacher from school. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly being like, this is not a man I'm having sex with. Please don't hit me. And then... It doesn't matter. And then him not picking up on that dynamic. And then him being, oh, is it a problem at school? And she's like, no, no, no. He was just wanting to talk to me about like a fundraiser or something. And then the teacher's like, no, actually, actually yes, he is having problems yep. at school. And it's like, dude, you're really making this fucking hard on this a family A million right times now. worse. Um, you need to be supportive by not blowing this shit up in front of this guy who's clearly being abusive. Yep. Um... So that part I had our time with, right? Like, okay. I think I don't know, and I don't know how much of it is like the time period versus now, because now there's so many like, if you at all suspect that a child is being abused physically or sexually, you are required by law mm-hmm. to call at least in every state, but it varies in the timeline. In West Virginia, it's 24 hours. You have 24 hours to make a, yes. a actual like call to the cps hotline or like contact law enforcement usually the sheriff's department um so that's a thing and i think having all of that information in my head of how this process is supposed to work and that's what my thing with the teaching as well and how to identify it this is the one segment that i'm like i think might be the weakest for me yeah i love the ending i love the fucking ending of this one i love anything any the trope which isn't used enough of like the magical kid that can like do something right yeah i love that and it was unexpected like oh oh that's what's that's where we're going with this okay because again david allen greer was kicking everyone's ass that this was not my favorite um like you said for the the, almost the exact same reason it was like oh this isn't 
Mm. Oh, as a teacher, this isn't how that's done. And I felt like such a dork saying it, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. I can't, you know. Um, And then we go back to the funeral home and you see like the curled up pretzely, (laughs) burnt up corpse of David Langreer. And uh, one of the guys closes the casket and it causes a little doll to fall. And then that leads us to... Immediately into what is contender for my favorite along with the first segment called KKK comeuppance. Oh, okay. So this is um, a man is running for some sort of office. It's a senator. He's going to be... Senator. A U.S. senator. And uh, it's important that you know his name is Duke because I believe what, 94, David Duke tried to run for president... And he was, mm-hmm. you know, a massive... Uh, His name's actually from two famous clans members. So Duke is David Duke. And then Mecker was a... I forget his name. He was another guy who, like, helped found the clan or something terrific. like that. Terrific. So it's it's very much intentional. So this guy um, is running for office. And he buys a house that is famous for the scene of a, a massive slave massacre. And uh, there's a mural... Uh, on the wall of there, I guess there were the house was very very haunted, and so a, a voodoo woman, their words, came in and made these little dolls, and like mm-hmm. the haunting stopped, and that's how he ended up being able to buy the house, and he's this racist fucking asshole, who, uh, you know, the mural comes alive and little dolls kill him, and it's adorable. That's not what I'm supposed to say. No, no. <laughs> I was just, I wanted to double check. It's actually, it's David Duke and then Klansman turned white Aryan resistance founder, Tom Metzger. Oh. Is the, how the name was from. Lovely. Um, I'm going to make you love this segment even more before we talk about it. Okay. Make me Some love Some of it. these puppets that were used were reused for another film with puppets entitled Team America World Police. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I do love um, yeah, everything about what you just said. This is the segment that both of the director's parents appear in. So um, the dad plays the priest at Rhodey's funeral, and then the mom plays the woman in the painting with the dolls. That was Rusty Cundiff's parents. I didn't know that. That's cool. So he wanted to put him in somewhere, and that's where he put him in. Uh, I will say I find it very interesting that he hires a black man to be his image consultant who's very smarmy and he starts like later on Corbin Burnson yeah Duke Becker starts repeating exact lines from him after he's died oh, yeah um, including the one the joke of like the only spooks I'm afraid of are you and, and then yeah. he has to stop himself and he's like you know I've done a lot of bad things in my life but it's that thing of like hiring someone from a community to teach you how to trick that community yeah right and um, it ends up kind of backfiring and, and he, like that guy ends up dying. And then Corbin Burton's character is just fighting these little um, little Ken dolls. And it's so fun. <coughs> and uh, yeah, he ends up getting kind of eaten to death and his face chewed off. Yep. Uh, one it was thing great. They, one thing they do keep mentioning in this segment is the idea of reparations. Right. Yeah. Um, and then specifically like the reparations in, in this sense are just leave us alone. Like yep. don't move into this house. Don't bring your bullshit in here. Like understand that a terrible thing happened here. This should be a memorial and to these people who died. Don't bring that white trash shit in here. Mm-hmm. Or that white supplemers, ah, that white supremacy trash in here, um, which is exactly white what trash. he does. He brings, well, here's the thing. 
I know a lot of white trash people. Not all of them are racist. Okay, fair. Um, all I racists know, are white trash, though. No, I can say that either. I know some really high class white supremacist Don't worry, people. They're still they're out trash. There. I mean. Saying like it, I don't like to paint racism with just a poor people brush. Okay. Because there's a lot of rich, shitty ass fucking people out there. All right, I feel um, you. Again, I'd like to remind everyone of the slogan of this podcast: "No war, but class war." <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's basically like he gets swarmed by these dolls, and then they eat his fucking face off. While the uh, the mom of the director watches on smiling, mm-hmm. holding a doll, because it's literally, it's the same thing we're dealing with now. And the thing that kind of bumps me out when you think about this movie is most of what they're talking about in these shorts are still issues now. Yes. Like the idea of trying to whitewash or paper over the past. We live in a society that right now is trying to tell, like trying to use the term like helper for slaves in history books who's trying to not teach like anything about slavery or that like at any point the founding fathers were bad or wrong or america ever did anything wrong which is lunacy yeah right like not good you can't have a country that's been around and as powerful as america has and not have done some shady fucking awful shit and to pretend like we didn't do that is doing a major disservice totally to yeah. everyone. You can't learn from your past if yeah. you uh, change it and well, whitewash it. And, um, and that's what this short is about, right? And, yes. and his attempt to whitewash his past, his personal past, and by proxy the past of that house and the Civil War and everything else results in these little dolls fucking killing him for it, which is what we should do Yes. Uh, to people that want to change the past like that. You need to remind people. Like... And slavery was fucking awful. And so then we have a montage of um, not not even talking about during the time when uh, white people enslaved other people, talking about, you know, the Jim Crow era lynchings and, mm-hmm. you know, rallies around dead bodies. And uh, there's a good two minute montage of that to kind of bring home like this shit is still happening. This has been a problem. Will it has been a problem? Like, what are we going to do about this? It made things a little uncomfortable for a few minutes. It it was good. It was a well placed um, moment. And then that brings us to our last short segment before we are closing. Okay. Which is the hardcore convert section with crazy K. Crazy K. The uh, gangster who chases those guys down and shoots them and then gets shot by three youths. This was as close to uh, Clockwork Orange. Very Clockwork Orangey. Yes. He uh, goes to prison, just doing mad setups. He's got a really good core going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then gets told, hey, do you want to get out of here? If you volunteer for a program for mental rehabilitation, you can get out of here. So he gets sent to like a castle looking place. Yeah. With a lady, and he's placed in a cell, which is more like a dog kennel. Yeah, oh yeah. Beside a clansman, who I think is very interesting, is like, you're on my team, and then Crazy K gets upset. He's like, no, he's I'm like, not. How many people you killed? And he's like, da 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 And he's like, how many of them were black? And he was like, yeah. like yeah, you're on my we're team. On my t- yeah, we're on the same like, team. There's some, there's, they're saying, there definitely something's being said there. And then it's a whole thing of like, it's very clockwork orangey in the fact that they put him in a machine... It was a weird 
like stopper thing that twisted up to his dick. Yeah. That I'm always like, I don't know what <laughs> Why that's is, there for. I guess like he pees himself maybe. It's just to hold his dick in place. In case he pees. Um, and then he spins on a table and they show him images of like horrible things um, mm-hmm. in the hopes of like, and make him experience people he's killed and hopefully feel some sort of guilt. Right. Or, and he know, resists. Catharsis or apologize for like being the way he is and, and live a better life. And he refuses. Yeah. Um, and then when he's confronted with all the ghosts of the people he's killed. And then it turns out that um, he's actually, it was like his guardian angel giving him a chance to like right. not go to hell forever. And indeed. And he has chosen hell. Yep. And then it goes back to him dying on a street corner. Yep. And you find out that the three kids who, uh, you know, are back at the funeral home are the ones who killed him. And so when they see him there, yep. you know, they all start freaking out. For those of you keeping count at home, that is Stack, Ball, and Bulldog. <laughs> Thank you. And then uh, it just starts to kind of unravel. And they realize that, you know, they're not at a funeral home. They're in hell. Yeah, um, Mr. Sims, the funeral director, turns into the gives devil. A speech. It's my favorite line of the movie where he's like, this isn't, what is it? This isn't a funeral home. This isn't the terror drome. Welcome to hell. And he turns into like the devil. Right. And then there's like flames and they're in hell and they're dead. <laughs> and And I end this movie by being like, I enjoyed the shit out of that. It was very funny. Uh, every time I watch this movie, I enjoy the shit out of it. There are two sequels to this, by the way. Are they any good? Um, they're not nearly as good as the first one, but man, oh man, this first one is fucking gold. Um, so yes, if you're keeping track at home, this is a uh, four vignettes with a wraparound story that mm-hmm. all feature African-American communities um, and issues Specifically talking to, like I said, police corruption, right. domestic violence, racism, and gang violence. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like this movie? I did. It was very fun. Enjoy the shit out of this movie. I can see why it was um, as important as it was. There's This movie is saying so much. And I think we talked about this a smidge in the opening. But there's not a lot of, like, you get a lot of horror in the 70s and, like, early 80s that's got a lot to say politically. Mm-hmm. And you do later. Uh, especially now, holy shit, po- uh, horror now is like nothing but politics. Mm-hmm. But it, by the late 80s, it was just more like slasher fun for the most part. Yeah. The major stuff that was getting made, like a, a new Friday the 13th every year. Um, and then in the 90s, you got a lot of like CW style horror, you know, like I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. It was like just beautiful people with like running from like a slasher type character. With, with the like token black guy. Yeah. You know, but like... Horror, we've talked about this, horror thrives in uncertain times. And in the 90s, for most people that are white... Yeah, we were talking about... The 90s were great. Yeah. And so this was a really nice way of, like, not for everybody. Yeah. So, like, these were major concerns for a very specific community in this country that were, like... very large portion of our community. we're getting left behind. Um, And that's still very much happening. It's happening more now than ever. Like, not only... Like black communities, but like Native American communities. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, indigenous people, now, and they just now are starting. To, I mean, they got hit worse by COVID, right? Than anyone. Um, we don't talk about that. Appalachia, where we live, it's we get fucking little to no services. Yep. So there's these whole stretches of the country where things are not great and haven't been great for a very long time, um, and it's important to remember that there are marginalized communities everywhere, but. I just enjoy the fact that this is an anthology about a very specific marginalized community that is standing up in the middle of the 90s during the 
the wonderful Clinton years and going, there's a lot of fucked yeah. up shit. <laughs> like, it's still not perfect, y'all. Like, don't forget about us. Like, totally agree. And that's why I enjoy this movie. And it's fucking fun. This it's a good time. Fun as fuck. What are we watching next week? Something just as fun and short? Um, something just as short. I don't know if it'll be just as fun. Okay. Uh, we're going to do Candyman. We already did Candyman. No, the remake. No, oh. no, no, the the sequel. Re- I don't know. It's hard to explain. Reimagining, however you want to call it. Okay. When um, did it come out? 2021. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say before we go, this movie is very much in the vein of the British horror anthology films of the 60s and 70s. Like the original Tales from the Crypt, right? Not the HBO show. Um, so I just thought that would be of interest to people. If, if, if you watch this and you enjoy the... Um, anthology like the, the anthology style and you're like i want more movies like this that's where you want to go like the 60s and 70s british, british. anthology films Who'd have thought so let me ask you this what was your least favorite segment the teacher one yep mine too uh your favorite uh the last one crazy k, k? crazy k crazy k was your favorite i'm gonna go with kkk comeuppance is my favorite okay yeah that's a good one it's followed very closely by the one with the police at the beginning okay um, I don't know. I, I enjoy all of them. I think our proximity to teaching and social work and domestic makes violence that, makes the teacher one a the, little... The weakest of the... the yeah. The, 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 quintet, the quartet. Yeah. All right. Well, until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. <laughs> and I'm still his girlfriend. Yay! Candyman. <laughs>